If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! We don't take care of our healthcare workers. It is a public health crisis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and the words you just heard come from Dr. Maureen Leffler, Nemours Chief Wellness Officer. We're checking in with Dr. Leffler on this episode about your well-being as a Nemours associate and the well-being of all of us together. She'll also share some of her own struggles with change both in her career and in her personal life, especially over the last two years given the pandemic. So let's get started by asking the state of the well-being of our associates in general. Here's Dr. Maureen Leffler. What I would share based on, you know, hearing from teams, groups, through well-being rounds, through our well-being coalition, through our peer supporters, through leaders and managers, and being an associate myself, I think that the most commonly cited adjectives may be tired, just tired. Um, I think that the duration of this pandemic and all of the things that have happened because of this pandemic have just taken their toll in ways that we couldn't anticipate. I think some of the challenges that we've moved through at the organization that have taken their toll included mandating the vaccine, which was a really difficult decision and a big hurdle to cross as an organization. There were a lot of people who felt really strongly about it in lots of different ways. And we unfortunately lost associates due to that mandate. However, we really feel and stand by that decision as being the thing we can do that's best for the safety of our patients, our families, our associates, and really is a healthcare organization, the best thing we can do in terms of public health and putting it into the pandemic. I think that really created some stress throughout this late summer and early fall. And then we really um, experienced this recent surge in ways that impacted, it really hit us hard, positive and sick associates. We saw more sick patients. We saw a lot of patients who needed testing. So our EDs were overwhelmed. Our inpatient units were overwhelmed with just lots of kids. Our outpatient clinics have been overwhelmed, primary care. So we've seen incredible volumes with really pretty significant staffing challenges. Piece of this is that our associates have their own families and their own families have been sick. So they've been sick. Their families have been sick. Their childcare has been impacted. So it's been just a really, really challenging period of time for lots of different reasons. You mentioned you mentioned the staffing challenges. Talk a little bit about that. I think every healthcare system, actually every employer, is facing that issue right now. A lot of people have either dropped out of the workforce or they burned out of the workforce and are kind of taking a little bit of a break. What is the Moors doing to um, attract candidates? Yeah, so like everybody else, we have We've seen people leave. So I think that some of the things that we've done well and are continuing to do is really trying to be competitive compared to the folks around us. 
offering sign-on bonuses, increasing rates of pay, and letting people know why, you know, why it's great to work here. As I've said, from the first time I met you until right now, the reason I took my role is because of the people that I get to work with. I have really loved and appreciated my colleagues at Nemours for 18 plus years now. Even in the thick of all of this, Carol, as I've listened to different groups and teams and recently I've done a deep dive into our clinical divisions, the thing I hear the most is I love the people that I work with. I stay here because of the people that I work with. And I think that we're doing our best to get people onboarded and in here so that once they're here, they can realize that it is a really pretty special place to work. We're doing that with the ways that other organizations are too. Lots of recruiting. Our, our talent acquisition team is working incredibly hard. Our employee health team is working incredibly hard. So to get to get people recruited, onboarded, and in the door. Talk about the employee wellness team. What kinds of innovative actions are they taking to address burnout, to address attrition, to address stress? That's a real big question. <laughs> um, I would like to talk about this in two different ways. The first is, I think it's really important for all of us to recognize that burnout is one domain of professional well-being and the best studied one, but not the only one. And burnout is an occupationally induced syndrome. It is distinctly different from anxiety and depression. They can be related, but they're distinct entities. We also know that things like compassion fatigue, moral injury, moral distress can contribute to a lack of professional engagement, fulfillment. We know that burnout manifests in individuals, but it originates in our system. We know that about 50% of healthcare workers, specifically physicians, nurses, and respiratory therapists are burnt out. That's not a problem with the physicians, nurses, and respiratory therapists. It's a problem with the system they're working in. So we need to fix the system. We need to take care of the people that are experiencing the impact of our system. But the real work is fixing the system. And that's all levels of the system. Your own little workspace, your team, your unit, our healthcare organization at Nemours, and the stuff happening external to us, policy, regulatory stuff. And that's what I really hope we as an organization get our arms around is, you know, if we continue to try to fix burnout with individual interventions, we will fail. The individual interventions are essential. We must support and care for our people. We absolutely have to. But they're completely inadequate if we don't do systems-based work. And so there's really two pieces of this that we have to be diligent and committed to caring for. One is the individuals. And so the work burden, the moral injury, the compassion fatigue, burnout can show up in our associates in lots of different ways. It can have some pretty profound impacts on them as people. And so we really want to support the emotional distress and mental health needs of our associates. And we have a lot of ways that we're doing that. So there's therapy available through our employee assistance program, which is resources for living. There's free therapy sessions offered to all associates or benefit eligible associates through that. Um, we have our peer support team. It's our own colleagues. So our peers who are trained with some specific skills to be able to listen empathetically, support their peers, see if resources are needed, offer resources that are requested, and check in on them. So it's really having that trusted, confidential 
friend at work, anybody can access peer support and receive peer support. And that's different than therapy. It's talking to somebody who knows what it's like to be an associate at Nemours, who knows what it's like to do a similar role, knows what it's like to be a doctor who makes a mistake or a nurse who sees something really traumatic and can listen and can provide support. Sometimes that's really all it takes to interrupt the psychological process that can cause damage to healthcare workers. We have a new resources here across the organization, which is therapy specifically oriented towards our clinicians, our physicians, and advanced practice providers, knowing that that specific population has some unique needs um, and some unique characteristics that really warrant specially trained professionals to care for them. We are recruiting and hiring psychologists to be on-site in both the Delaware Valley and Florida to be available to help our associates name what's going on, figure out what resources might be most helpful, work with groups and teams, link to local resources in the community, and make sure our associates are getting the help that they need. It's really important as an organization that we not just normalize asking for help, but integrate support into all that we're doing. So the impetus shouldn't be on our healthcare workers to recognize, oh, that was upsetting or traumatizing, or I might carry a little bit of that experience. I just had it work with me and it could harm me. We need to know, we do know that what we do is hard and that we we put things automatically in, in place to continually support our healthcare workers and prevent the damage that can occur in our occupation. When people think about it, we can compare it to wearing a hard hat on a construction site. We protect our construction workers. Or if somebody gets a bloodborne pathogen exposure on the work site, they notify employee health and are prescribed, you know, medications for prophylaxis. We need to do the same thing for the emotional impact of our jobs. So that's one piece. The next piece is working on our system to prevent to prevent some of this stuff. And so we know what a lot of we know a lot about the drivers of burnout. We know that work burden is one of them, and we know that that is a work that that's a driver of burnout that's really been exacerbated over the past two years as we've switched and changed everything we do all of the time. Even just going into a patient room any longer requires more time and more. PPE. So the work burden has changed. It's increased in, in, with increasing volumes and decre- decreasing staffing. It's just been a lot. And that's just one driver of burnout. So we need to be looking critically at our system and looking for opportunities to change the system and fix the system to mitigate the drivers of burnout. So, so we're not just trying to support people, but we're trying to prevent harm in the first place. So there's kind of two things that are going on. I'm really optimistic and hopeful about work around the systems drivers at burnout. I think that's where we can have the most impact. I think that's where we can do the best for our associates. Our associates know the things that get in the way. So some people call them the pebbles in the shoes. Some people call it the stupid stuff. The AMA has an entire program around get rid of stupid stuff or gross. We also call it sometimes death by a thousand cuts. And our associates know what those are. They know the things that make get hard, demoralizing, frustrating, tiring to do their jobs. And they come in anyway and keep doing their jobs because they care. They really care. They care about each other. They don't want to let each other down. They care about their patients. They care about our families. And they are willing to work around lots of challenges to do that. If we can just get rid of some of those challenges and make it easier, that would be a win. And some of it's low-hanging fruit. 
part of the challenge is figuring out how to know those things, how to know the stupid stuff, and then figure out how to fix it for them. So we've put together a well-being coalition, which is enterprise-wide associates who are really committed to figuring out how at their own, on their own team, in their own unit, how to figure out what those things are, how to escalate them to the right people, how to take care of them. And it sure would be nice to measure the impact. Tell me more about the uh, the Wellbeing Coalition. When did that start? And you talked about its purpose. Who's part of that? It sounds like it's very associate-based. It's completely associate-based. We asked leaders across the organization, clinical and non-clinical, to nominate associates who they thought would be people on their teams or a part of their work unit who others would see as somebody they could talk to about challenges at work, individuals who would be able to identify drivers of burnout, and individuals who'd be able to really identify opportunities to change things, fix things, and lead their teams or their unit through change. We also asked for people who are not already the super helpers. We know that we have so many super helpers, the people everybody always go to for support or to talk about a problem. But we know that we have an organization of lots of altruistic, compassionate, hardworking people. So we really wanted new people to get involved. So we asked managers to nominate folks. We had, I think, about 80 nominations. We reached out to all of those individuals and invited them to be a part of the coalition. I think we had about 60 who accepted our invitation. And we started meeting in August. Um, we meet once per month. And the ask was that those members who serve on the coalition, we call them our well-being liaisons. We ask for them to dedicate one hour per week with the support of their manager or leader to doing work around well-being. And specifically, this time should not be add-on time. It should not take away from anything else they're doing. Um, it shouldn't be done nights or weekends, but really their manager or leader should carve out one hour a week for them to do some well-being work and to attend our once-a-month meeting. The liaisons attend our meeting and form our coalition. There's three main objectives of our coalition. One is to give the well-being leaders, which include myself, Dr. Holly Antel, Dr. Alfred Atanda, and then our project manager, Kelsey Kowalski, and Keisha Morris, who helps us from talent development, to give this well-being team the perspective of our frontline associates. How, how are things? What are the things that are not going well? What are the drivers of burnout on your teams, your groups, organizationally? It is an opportunity for us to also then share with this group of associates tools, resources, ideas, interventions that are available here or that we've learned about external to Nemours that they may want to take, adapt, and use with their own teams. Ultimately, we really hope that as this group of liaisons really gets to understand systems-based approaches to mitigating burnout and promoting well-being, that they'll identify things to change and fix, they'll work on it, and they'll share it with their team here with, with the coalition. So it really will be a share and learn group. And then the last thing is to provide support to one another. It can be really hard to be the person that people come to to talk about the challenges, things aren't going well, to, to see the frustrations, to see the drivers of burnout, and to have the position where you're trying to fix them or solve them. It can be really hard. So we're hoping that this group will be supportive of one another through that journey. Um, some of the things that came out of our earlier meetings was a question about, is this happening anywhere else in the country? And it's actually a relatively newer approach, I think, looking for work unit level opportunities to promote well-being. We did see one abstract of a group similar to this while um, at the American Conference on Physician Health. And we brought that abstract and that data back to our coalition, shared it with them, 
And the coalition said, great, based on this, we would like information for how to present ourselves to our teams, present ourselves to our leaders. So we gave them some PowerPoint slides. We gave them a badge or a pin. And we were thrilled to hear this group starting to say, this is who we are. This is what we want to be. Empower us to introduce ourselves and make ourselves known. We have shared with them some resources in the organization, like the Wellbeing Checklist, the PAUSE program, and uh, a Code Lavender project. Again, it's inspiration for things that they maybe want to bring back to their own teams or units, and also as an example of what we really hope to do, which is hear from them. What do they do? What did they change? What are they doing that's helping or working for their team? In seeking further information on your well-being, both individually and as a part of the Nemours Enterprise, Dr. Leffler and the Nemours Wellbeing Coalition are about to launch the American Medical Association Wellbeing Assessment for all associates. Dr. Leffler says this is an important holistic assessment of Nemours that will help identify areas within the organization where people are struggling and how the system can be changed to help alleviate those struggles. We also will be able to hopefully use that data to understand some of the more specific things that are driving burnout. Although I I think that that data will only reinforce what we have heard from our associates on the front line already, which is work burden is really a major driver here. My hope is that we will see a complementary approach to well-being, which is really understanding the specific nitty-gritty at individual work unit levels through the work of our well-being coalition through the work of our directors of clinician well-being, which are doctors Antal and Atanda, and through people starting to recognize that there is a well-being team that they can escalate things to. That would really, I think, help at the frontline local level. As our organization gets more familiar with well-being as a strategic approach and part of the quadruple aim of medicine, my hope is that my voice and Other leaders' voices will reflect the well-being of all of our associates in all of the decision-making that we do. And so really having well-being represented at the most senior levels of the organization is really important. And so I really would love to hear from as many people as possible. We had a 20% response rate to the coping during COVID well-being assessment in about a year ago. So I'd really love to see that improve. And then sort of the intermediary there is recognizing the importance of involving well-being representatives and thought in policy and procedure changes that happen and impact us as an organization as a whole. What I would say is well-being is not a siloed activity. It is a value that needs to be woven throughout all that we do at Nemours. And who takes care of Mo Leffler? I think I work with a ton of really special people. I care about the people that I work with, and I feel cared for by the people that I work with. And I hope that every associate has that experience with most of the people that they have the opportunity to work with here. Um, so, you know, I'll do hard work with teams. And often people say, thanks for listening to all of that. Are, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, who's listening to you? Which is unbelievably kind. Or I'll get a surprise note or a card or something from someone. And it really means a lot. So I have to say, I feel cared for by my colleagues and the people that I get to work with. 
I, I would also add to that that we know that if you prioritize your own well-being and can accept that you're not going to be perfect and adapt a growth mindset, that those two things are preventative. They really can help keep us afloat. And I really try hard to do both of those things. I think I have no problem making fun of myself, poking fun at myself in a healthy way and recognizing when I've made a mistake and trying to learn from it. I've been in this role for a year and a half. I've had things thrown at me that I never, ever thought I would deal with, that I'm really, you know, I feel ill-equipped too most of the time dealing. It's fine. I'm learning and I'm appreciative of the people that are teaching me as I go. And I really prioritize taking care of myself. I know that if I don't get some exercise almost every day, I will not be my best self. So I find that time and I often find that time with people who I really love to be with. So it's a social boost, a physical boost, and an emotional boost. I'm also transitioning a lot in my life right now. I have kids graduating from eighth grade and high school on heading to college. I moved. I started a new job all within the past year and a half. And transition is stressful and hard. And it's one of the things that's hardest for me personally. So I started talking to a counselor or therapist. Um, and that has been incredibly helpful. Dr. Maureen Leffler is Nemours Chief Wellness Officer based in the Delaware Valley. By the way, if you have questions or concerns about well-being here at Nemours, or if you'd like to join the Nemours Wellbeing Coalition, touch base with Dr. Leffler via email. Maureen.Leffler at Nemours.org. That's Maureen.Leffler at Nemours.org. How are you doing? personally, professionally. Your chance to share your thoughts, feelings, and ideas is coming soon. Just look for the AMA Wellbeing Survey in your Nemours email shortly and complete it. Your input will help guide Nemours' well-being and wellness strategy moving forward. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast features the stories of associates just like you. In fact, next time around, we'll be talking with four Nemours associates, women whose time with Nemours ranges from eight months to 40 years, and their stories of being women in the workplace at Nemours. It's a partnership with the Women at Work Associate Resource Group celebrating March as Women's Her Story Month. And don't forget, your story is worth telling. We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org so we can set up a recording session. Our production team this week includes Peter Adebi, Allison Craft, and Deborah Griffin. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. The podcast is available on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. On behalf of Dr. Maureen Leffler, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.